Greetings, everyone. Welcome. My name is Andy Neal, and you're listening to The Hiker Podcast. This is Andy, and you are listening to the podcast that demystifies hiking, the one that gets to the hiker behind the trekking pole. The one with me, Andy, a new hiker who's only been hiking for the last year or so, wants to find out what is motivating people to get on the trail and wants to find out how the trail is changing them and how in turn they are changing the world around them. That's right. This is the Hiker Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate it more than you know. Um... If you want to know more about the Hiker Podcast, go to hikerpodcast.com where all the socials, all that fun stuff will be there. Uh, you can email me, Andy, at hikerpodcast.com. Also, a great way to help the show out. Big way to help the show out. Go to Apple Podcasts, which you can find the link at hikerpodcast.com. Leave a five-star written, like leave some comments, review, and that is not only a great way to tell the internet that the Hiker Podcast is a show you're interested in, but it's a great feedback loop for me, so... Thank you so much for doing that and leaving reviews, those of you who have. With that, I am super excited um, for the future of this show. I've gotten so many amazing comments and messages from you all. I was a little overwhelmed this week by it. And I have to say, if you have messaged me for a sticker this week or for a guest spot or something, and I have not replied, go ahead and email me or message me back, andyhikerpodcast.com or Instagram, andyfilmsandhikes. I would greatly appreciate it. I am so sorry for not following up. It just really kind of my email and inboxes kind of just blew up this week, which I, I appreciate it more than you know, actually. It's a good problem to have. I love where the show's going. I love the feedback I've been getting from you all and the encouragement I have been getting from you all, especially since I announced that I am going on my first through hike this summer on the Tahoe Rim Trail, going with my dad. Super stoked about this. You all have been so encouraging to me about that as well. Thank you guys so much. Uh, With that said, though, I also want to thank Sawyer Products, who's been the sponsor of the Hiker Podcast for the last eight weeks. Uh, Our our little eight-week deal uh, ended, and I would be more than happy to work with them again. Sawyer is a great, amazing company to work with. They do amazing things. So, Sawyer, if you're listening, I would love to partner again some more. Uh, But everyone, go make sure you check out Sawyer. With that though i do have a quick little segment from our podcast host anchor podcast anchor podcast is a great way to uh, start your own podcast i've been using them for a long time now and uh, i work with clients to help them make podcasts and i tell them use anchor so with that quick word from me about anchor podcasts I first decided to begin the hiker podcast i started looking at other other hiking podcasts out there and the first one i found and the one i've continually listened to since then is the guidebook podcast with our next guest uh at hiker and podcaster fellow podcaster rachel Meltzer. how are you doing today rachel good how are you doing well it's early here on the west coast and you're 
there in the East Coast, but I'm uh, getting some coffee here, getting going. So thank you so much for coming on. Uh, I should let everybody know this is the third time we've tried to record. Um, <laughs> so it's my own fault, scheduling crazy stuff. And always that that the, the time zone thing, I thought it, I thought it was bad with New Zealand, with Elena. But the, the, for oh some my reason, God. I, I have a much harder time with East Coast people. I don't know what it is. Yeah. <laughs> Three hours is just the wrong chunk of time to be different. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> New Zealand was just weird though. It was like it was you're ahead of me, but you're behind me, and that was that was funky. But. Yeah, it's like a whole different day. How does this work? <laughs> <laughs> so Rachel, go ahead and just give us the rundown. Tell us about yourself, who you are, what you do, and how you got into hiking. Yeah, um, I am a freelance writer now. I through hiked the AT in 2018, and when I came home, um, I had been working as a barista and decided that I wanted to do something more um more just in general (laughs) um so I decided to dive into freelance writing which is scary um and before that I was like working in politics and went to college and um yeah I think the AT really helped me find my path in life which is super cheesy but true (laughs) So how did you first get into hiking before, you know, you you did that AT? What was it about hiking that, or or did you ever hike before the AT? Um, I had never backpacked before the AT. Um, (laughs) I literally did not even go on a practice overnight trip or anything. I just went and, um, hope it worked out. (laughs) It did, obviously. Um, but before that, I mean, I'd been on like day hikes with my family. I grew up in the whites of New Hampshire, so I'd been hiking before, but the most I'd ever done was like 10 miles. And I remember coming home from Ohio. I'd like moved to Ohio to work on a political campaign in 2016. And I thought that I wanted to go to law school. So I was like taking my LSATs and I thought Ohio would be a good affordable law school to go to. And I got waitlisted at all of my top choice schools and just realized like, I don't even think I want to go to law school. It's so expensive and I'm miserable right now. (laughs) Um, And once I sort of strayed from that course, I realized I don't have a plan anymore. Like I've gone through all of my life backup plans. I'm very much like a goal oriented planner person and I didn't know what to do. I got super depressed, moved back in with my parents in Maine. Um, I was living on their couch in their double wide trailer. It was very uncomfortable. (laughs) Um, And I was working as a barista at Starbucks and I just didn't I just was so depressed and I started following some of my friends from high school and college on Instagram that I hadn't talked to in a long time and a few of them were through hiking that year and I just got obsessed with it. I started watching every YouTube video I could find on through hiking. I was doing research. I was like, okay, I'm going to save up for all this gear. I'm going to save up for this through hike and um, yeah, the day before I well, the week before I was supposed to leave, I, my dad came in and he was like, listen, I saw your bank account today. I don't, I don't think you're ready to go on a through hike right now. Uh, even though you have all the gear. And I was like, I know I'm not. And I just started like bawling and I had just, I had made this plan. So last minute I decided to through hike in October and I was going to leave in February. Um, 
and I didn't I just did not plan the money part I just planned all the other stuff and hoped it would work out um and I was like working three jobs at that point and um my parents very generously offered to help supplement some of the costs and then um yeah I I left they drove me down to Georgia themselves like the beautiful trail angel parents they are <laughs> awesome so before you, you you get on the AT, you were working in politics. You decided you wanted to work in that field, and I, I've, I've seen a lot of what you, you've read, or I've seen a lot of what you've um, you've written about that experience. What is it about that experience of working in politics that kind of just turned you off from it and turned you towards freelancing and the trail? Mm. Um. Well, politics is not the best industry to be in if you have any mental health struggles, honestly. Um, But (laughs) I think, so in college, I worked at the Massachusetts State House. I got an internship there my first year, and I just kept working there after that. Um, And I developed a really close relationship with a state representative. Um, And I just loved working for her. She was so strong, and she had been in politics since the 70s. And I mean, I was in college in from like 2012 to 2016. So she'd been in office for a long time. Um, and she grew up as a foster child. So she was very focused on like helping foster children, helping kids get to school, helping kids get food, um, and just trying to show them that they had a place to belong. She was always supporting like the why and that sort of thing. Um, but we wrote so many bills for fostering care and only one in the entire four years I worked for her got passed. And I don't know. It's just, it was so frustrating to me to see how short a term is and how half of it was spent campaigning. And the other half was like what I thought would be like, things are going to happen. Change is going to be made. This is the most direct way you can make change. And change was just like so slow. It just wasn't happening. Um, And my, I like grew up working in public service. Like my parents were always trying to serve our community. We had like local teens that were kicked out of their house living in our house. My dad is an assistant chief of rescue. Like we're on the fire department, me, my sister and my dad. And I just saw public service as like, this is what I was meant to do. This is my life. Like this is what was instilled in me. And then when I went to do it, it just felt so impossible. And half the time it was because of money or some only two parties didn't agree. And I was like studying, uh, I was taking comparative politics as a minor. So I was studying all of these other countries that had these different political systems. And I was just so discouraged. Um, And then I think the last straw, I worked in DC for a couple of years. And my second year in DC, I just graduated from college. And my friend hooked me up with someone at a campaign. And they were like, you should go work on this campaign. It's the next step in your career if you want to be in politics. And I got there. And then obviously Trump won that year. And I just, I don't know, it just destroys you to work so hard. Um, And like the campaign itself that I was working on also wasn't that well organized and was not paying people what they were supposed to. They didn't follow through on a lot of things in my contract, but like I can't afford to sue them. (laughs) Um, So the whole thing like... I just started to see how naive I was and how long change takes through the political system and the bureaucracy. And I got really discouraged by it. And I was also just, um, I think existential crises are like a large portion of my 
personal <laughs> triggers for depression <laughs> and I was just having them all the time. So I decided that I didn't want to go to law school, first of all, because being in law wasn't going to help me make change any better, faster, or more efficiently. Um, and I decided I didn't really want to work in politics anymore either. Um, so I tend to focus my time more now on putting my energy and some of my money behind people who are doing what things that I support and showing up to volunteer when I can. Um, and I think that that's you're impacting a lot more people much more directly and more quickly by supporting things like Food Not Bombs or by showing up to like a Black Lives Matter rally than you are when you're sitting in an office pushing paper all day, in my opinion. Very cool. So you, you spoke about mental health a little bit, which for me, hiking has been instrumental in, in helping me with my mental health. I worked in the nonprofit sector and really got burned out by it mm. and had to really kind of reevaluate where I was and <clears throat> what I was doing and why I was doing it. What is it about hiking when you when you move from that world of DC and politics to the hiking world? What is it um, about hiking that has helped with your with, with your mental health struggles? Um, I would say it's sort of three parts. Um, firstly, is that you are just constantly exercising, and that is, or I mean, on a through hike at least. <laughs> um, and I mean. Exercise is like it's it's like free antidepressants, in my opinion. Um, I mean, unless you're paying for a gym, <laughs> but it's so effective. It helps so much. And when you're moving, like when I'm walking, I do my best thinking. I've noticed that. Like even now, I go for a walk every single day, um, or I try my best to. And I pretty much like if I didn't go for my walk that day, I notice in my thinking that I am anxious or that I haven't processed something. Um, and so I think that was a big portion of it. I think also the fact that I was on a through hike gave me the time and the space to deal with the things that I hadn't been dealing with. I mean, it's so easy to just constantly be distracted nowadays by social media, by our phones, by what we think we should be doing or need to be doing or work or trying to find your next thing, whatever, that you haven't necessarily processed or figured out the things that were bothering you in the first place, the underlying problems. Um, and I also, I mean, I've been on, I was on medic, I was put on medication for the first time in 2012. And I mean, even before that I was taking birth control, which controls your hormones, which controls your emotions. So I think for a long time before the trail, I quit all of my medication cold turkey for the trail um, because the side effects were just killing me. They were so bad. I was having dry mouth, seizures, like severe nausea. I wasn't eating. I was one of them would make me gain 10 pounds. The next one would make me lose 20. It's like it was just such an unhealthy side effect world I was living in. And the medications didn't it didn't feel like the benefit outweighed the cost for me. So I wanted to get off all of my medications. Um, so I quit cold turkey right before the trail. And that was the first time in my life I had never been on medication before. So I was like <laughs> learning how to feel feelings and deal with my things <laughs> that medication had been sort of suppressing for me. Um, and there was like a lot of memories that would just randomly come flooding back while I was hiking or, um, feelings. Like I would just cry out of nowhere sometimes. <laughs> and it's, 
hard at first to deal with all of that cold turkey. It wasn't easy. I don't necessarily recommend this method. I don't think any doctor would recommend this method. But I think that it going through that whole experience and that challenge made me realize that like, even though you've been to rock bottom before, even though like I tried to commit suicide in 2012, even though those things happened, every time you have an episode, like depression Yes, you'll have it for your whole life. Anxiety, you'll have it for your whole life probably. But they come in phases. They come in episodes. They come in waves. It's not permanent. It's not all the time. So if you can look at it that way, you can see that like, oh, this wave might slip a little. The tide might go out a little. But that doesn't mean that you're always going to go back to rock bottom every time you start to slip. And like you can continue to gain traction and keep bringing the tide further in and not letting it go as far out every time. Um Sorry, my cat's trying to jump on me. Oh, you're fine. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so I think that having that time and space to like see those things and have those realizations was really important. But then the third aspect was um, the people. The people on the trail are just different. Um, <laughs> I feel like the walls are so much less high than they are in like the synthetic world, the plastic world, whatever you want to call the world we live in when we're not in the woods. <laughs> um, and I think that they, the support from the people that were around me was really important. And just the honesty, I don't think anyone's ever been so honest with me as people were on trail. And I had one friend who I absolutely <laughs> just exploded at. I think it was like my third week on trail and I was just having a bad day and I totally took it out on him. And he was like, dude, you just cannot talk to people like that. That's not okay. And it seems like you're going through something. And if you want to work through it, we can do that. But you can't be like this. And then he just walked away and hiked on. And I was like, what? <laughs> like no one had ever talked to me like that before. And I just didn't realize how much I was affecting the people around me and how like like your thoughts and your emotions can be in your control. It just takes practice. Um, and I literally did not know that you could control your own thoughts and emotions and feelings. Like I did not have any concept of that at all because the people who should have taught me that, the psychiatrists and the psychologists and the therapists I was seeing instead would just prescribe me medication. I was never prescribed talk therapy and I most certainly should have been all along. Um, and I was never given like, like cognitive behavioral therapy changed my life. And I think cognitive behavioral therapy was not prescribed to me until 2017, which is a year before I threw hiked. I had already tried to commit suicide. I had already been on medication for multiple years. I'd already been through like my lowest lows and college and political campaigns and CBT wasn't even, it's just insane to me the way that our medical system works when it comes to mental health. But sorry for that tangent. Um, <laughs> I think, yeah, the people, the exercise and the space to deal with your problems is really where hiking comes in for me. And now I just kind of use it to process. And sometimes I like audio journal while I walk so I can talk through my stuff. So I'm not like venting on other people. <laughs> um, yeah, it's been a really helpful tool. I, I love hearing that story because I, uh, my story was, I, you know, was, I was very much having anxiety attacks, severe anxiety attacks. And I had to leave my career and I was, you know, I, I I've actually found I found a good therapist who wasn't just throwing pills at me. And mm. I hear other people's stories about that. I'm like, oh my gosh, like I'm just I got so lucky. And I had my therapist actually you know, try different several different things: cognitive behavioral therapy, EMDR, which was which was pretty helpful for me. 
Mm-hmm. But then one day she's like, why don't you just try going on a hike? And I'm like, okay. And it was just <laughs> the fact that that she had recognized, you know, this is something beneficial. We live in Ashland. There's hiking everywhere. Mm-hmm. Why don't you go try this? And it's it's not that medication, some people do need it. And it's sometimes you know, it is beneficial, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, it's like, find a therapist that works for you. And who's gonna who's gonna work with you with your, with your problems and and that also these struggles are okay. We all have them. A big part of me starting this podcast was like, hey, we all have these struggles, and um, you know, I, I my goal is to let people know it's okay to not be okay, and the trail does provide so much. So yeah, it really uh, does. Thank you for sharing that. It's just amazing. Yeah. Talk switching over to the trail a little bit. Talk a little bit about how your 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 time on the trail. What was it about the trail? on the AT itself that was just kind of mind shifting for you that you were like, this is something I want to continue doing once I get off as far as hiking and walking and, and starting a podcast. What, what did that process look like? Or did you not even think about it? So you got off the trail. Oh, I'm an overthinker. I most certainly thought about it. (laughs) Um, It was a, it was quite the journey, honestly. I mean, when I started the trail, I'd never been backpacking before. I, I mean, I'd been camping a couple of times, but it was mostly like a tent in my grandma's backyard, you know? Um, And I just, when I first started, was just trying to deal with like the discomfort of it all and like just not being in my comfort zone and pushing myself and being around all these strangers. And like, (laughs) I was alone. I was trying to make friends. I was also going through all of that emotional struggle I just talked about. So the first like, I don't know, I want to say three months, I also got injured, (laughs) So the first three months was just hard. I was just trying to get through it. And I just knew that like, I could see the progress very slowly happening. And I had seen other people who had through hiked that didn't necessarily openly talk about their mental struggle, but I can kind of read between the lines. Like I can tell and I reached out to those people and we're like, hey, how did this help you? Did this help you? (laughs) So on some level, I kind of knew that it would work if I could just stick with it. So I suffered through, but then sort of in the, I don't know, I would say like the fourth month, I slowly, I don't know, I was hiking with my friend, Ted Miles, who's my hiking partner on trail that we met. We started hiking together like 500 miles in. Um, So we were together a lot for most of the trail and he very much had a grasp on mindset. He understood that you need to commit and you can decide to love something and love it, or you can decide to hate something and hate it. Um, I That concept was brand new to me. I'd never thought about that before. And for like the first two and a half months, I would say I hated through hiking. I never thought I would do it again. I my biggest fear in life generally is failure. So I wasn't going to go home because I wasn't going to fail. But I was like, I'm never doing this again. This is garbage. It sucks. <laughs> um, but the more I hiked, the more I started to realize, like, if you stop thinking, A, overthinking everything all the time in a negative manner, and you start deciding that you love it, you can learn to love it. You can find beauty in those small things. And I think that like finding beauty in the small things is the number one thing that will lift me out of depression generally. Um, 
when I stop finding beauty in the small things, I know I'm slipping. And when I start finding beauty in the small things again, I know I'm coming back. Um, so that's kind of like one of the indications. But anyway, yeah. So I just decided to start liking it. Like I used to hate packing up camp. I used to hate making camp. I used to hate anything that wasn't the hiking in between. <laughs> like camp was the le- my least favorite part. I hated camping, but I wanted to finish this through hike and I wanted to enjoy it because I saw these people around me enjoying it and I was miserable and that just sucks. And if you're going to be out there, you might as well enjoy it. So I decided to. Um, and after that, every, it, it, I don't know, it like frees up space in your mind to not constantly be hating your chores and hating (laughs) the things that you have to do every day. Like you have to pack up your sleeping pad. You have to put your stuff in your backpack and hike. You have to, you have to eat your granola bar for breakfast, even when you don't want to. Like there are just certain things that like, I mean, you don't have to do them, but you're not going to function very well if you don't. (laughs) So if you just accept those things and just do them, and don't think about it. Just get up and do them. Stop laying in bed and thinking about it for 10 minutes every morning before you even pack. Like the amount of times I'd like lay in my tent and think about how much effort it would be to pack up camp. I could have already been done packing up camp of like the in, in the amount of time that I thought about packing up. So that sort of thing. Once I started freeing up space, I started enjoying it a lot more. And I noticed how strong I was getting. Like I finally was getting my hiker legs at that point. I'm halfway through the trail. Um, I started getting more confident. I started making more friends with other hikers. And the other hikers I talked to, like some of them were just so inspiring. Um, I started listening to more podcasts. I was listening to, I don't know, I think I listened to probably like 12 podcasts all the way through their history on trail i would listen to at least an episode a day i wouldn't always hike with headphones in but when i did i was listening to a podcast um and i would say like the big players and inspiration for me i mean i've always listened to npr i've always listened to podcasts i think in the back of my mind i always thought like oh it'd be so cool to have a podcast like planet money and radio lab were really and joe rogan's podcast I don't listen to every episode, but all the episodes with women I listened to and I really enjoyed all of them. (laughs) Um, Those sorts of podcasts got me thinking like, why couldn't I? Like, I'm on a through hike right now. Look how strong I am. Like the mindset shift for the second half of my through hike is just insane. Like I am trying to write a book about my through hike. I don't even know how to explain how strong it was. Like I feel like I became a totally different person in a lot of ways. Um, But I started realizing like, there are so many possibilities out there. And I remember before Trail, since 2012, really, I've been following van lifers on YouTube and I really wanted to do van life. And my dad has been very supportive of it. Um, he's a car guy. My parents own a uh, car repair shop. So it's not impossible to make it happen, was what he was saying. So <laughs> I sort of had that seed planted. And so on Trail, where I'm living this very uncomfortable new experience, I realized like, oh, I could do van life if I can do this. Oh, I could make a podcast. Why couldn't I? Anyone could make a podcast. Like I started reading about Joe Rogan's story and like his podcast started as an iPhone recording on a plane ride. And like their theme song was a two second clip in GarageBand that's actually horrible and they still use it. (laughs) There's just so many the possibilities are opened so much more when you free up the negative space that you've been using for positive things and you start talking, you surround yourself with these people who are so positive and so exciting. I remember my friend Blackbird, she was the second ever 
podcast guest of mine. Um, we were hiking Mount Musilaki in New Hampshire, and we were um, just cruising. I just could not believe how fast we were hiking that mountain because I'd hiked it before a trail, and it took me like an hour a mile. And we did the whole thing in like three hours, and it blew my mind. And I was just like, wow, we are so strong, guys. We can do anything. <laughs> um, and I was talking to Blackbird going up that that mountain, and I was like, you know, I think it'd be really cool to start a podcast, but you know, I don't know anything about podcasting. I don't even own a computer. And like, I don't even know how to do that. Like, I don't know. But I've been listening to a lot of podcasts lately. And she was like, what do you mean you don't know? You could start a podcast. Anyone can start a podcast. You can do whatever you want. What do you want to do in life? And then we just started talking about like all the possibilities. And I had seen van lifers freelancing. So I kind of knew that like the best way to be a van lifer (laughs) or the easiest way to be a van lifer and be able to work is to either freelance or have a remote job that doesn't require more than 40 hours a week. Um, so the gears were finally turning on the future too, because we're in New Hampshire. So it's the second to last state and it's like, crap, I'm about to go home to my parents' double wide trailer and sleep on their couch again. I have no money. I have all this confidence and excitement and energy now that I've never had before. And I want to put it towards something, but like, I have to worry about surviving. That's all I need to worry about when I get back. But I had all of these amazing, grandiose ideas. And it's funny because when you're on trail, you think like, it only took me six months to hike this trail. Imagine all the things you could do in six months. And if you just dedicated six months to every single thing you wanted to do, you could do all the things you wanted to do in like five years. But I didn't think about the fact that you have to make money to live and you have to pay bills and (laughs) you just... Living in the synthetic world takes some energy and has, you know, some requirements. It's not uh, not necessarily possible to just drop everything and do something for six months. Um, and the further I hiked, the more I realized, like, oh, I need to buckle down and, like, really decide on two of these ten crazy goals that I've got going around in my head, commit to those, and then once I've done those, move on. But it was so amazing for me because it's, like, I, I remember leaving law, like leaving the law school path behind and thinking, I have no idea what to do with my life. I've never not had goals. I felt like a total failure for the first time, literally ever. And it was a really low feeling. And now I'm like standing on top of a 4,000 foot tall mountain in New Hampshire with 10 goals bouncing around in my head and a smile on my face and friends. And I, I mean, like, I'm one of those people that's kind of I didn't haven't had a ton of long-term friendships in my life and I just saw these people as like oh my gosh I just made long-term friends this is so exciting for me <laughs> um I have like mad social anxiety so <laughs> it was just kind of a by the end of the trail I was just in a totally different place than where I started and it really I mean it really does give you this like this confident energy of like I can do literally anything and I think that only wore off like this year and it's been like two years (laughs) so talk a little bit about getting off trail and starting the podcast I've every through hiker I've talked to has always brought up post-trail depression and, and and dealing with the fact that you're in the real world you're in the synthetic world as you said now but then you started a podcast. What did that process look like of you're getting off trail, you're dealing with being off trail, being in the real world, and then not only starting a podcast, but then, you know, if you follow, if anyone follows you on Instagram or anywhere else, you're really into empowering other people to freelance and, and, and do, 
to follow their dreams? What did that process look like from getting off trail to starting the podcast and begin to freelance and empower other people to do that as well? Mm. Well, uh, I know I say that that was a journey. Everything's a journey, man. Oh, gosh. Stuff is so – it's like everything was so much harder than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> um, but I think going through those things, I mean, I've never been stronger in my life, like mentally or physically. But getting off trail – was I think it was easier because I was with Ted. He um came home to live with me and my parents in Maine, in uh cold, cold Maine in our trailer. Um and my parents had this little camper trailer in their backyard that was like gutted. And my dad said that I could have it. So I took this old wood stove that we had in the barn and put it in there and a bed and they helped me fix it up and Ted helped me fix it up. And we lived out there. There was no, we were going to put in electricity and we like dug a whole trench and put buried a wire and everything. And then October like 13th, something ridiculous. We'd only been home like a month. It snowed. And like once it snows in Maine, you're, um, excuse my language. <laughs> I almost, uh, you're, you're screwed. You can't do anything, you know? Um, you can't dig in the ground. <laughs> you can't move stuff around outside. Like you're done. We didn't have any firewood yet. Uh, and it was already snowing. There was a firewood shortage. It was just a bad time. We didn't have a bathroom. We had like an extension cord for electricity. I had a Google Chromebook that I got in college for $200 because my laptop at the time, um, had caught on fire. <laughs> it was uh it was a time. It was a time. <laughs> I used my phone as a hotspot and I started freelancing on Upwork, which is a freelance platform website. And um I was determined to make it work. I had no money. I came home to a gift of like $400 from some of my family that came up to see us. My parents had what they called a summit party <laughs> for for me and Ted when we finished the trail. Um and a bunch of my family members like gave us cards with checks in them, which was extremely kind. Um not yeah, that was all I had. I had $400. I had a gutted trailer with a wood stove and no wood and um my very kind parents helping me out. Um and I thought at the time that I was going to move into a van really soon as well. So I was like looking for vans. My parents, um, like I said, have a have a dealership and a shop. So they were going to help me buy a van and I was going to pay it back, pay them, <laughs> pay it off to them. Um, so this was all sort of like there was just a lot of moving parts. I would recommend if you're going to go on a through hike, maybe like at least set up where you're going to live after or at least have enough money to rent something after or something <laughs> um because yeah living in negative 32 degree weather <laughs> with a shortage of wood and a sleeping bag and a uninsulated trailer in the middle of nowhere in Maine in winter is not a good time i don't recommend it <laughs> um but i would go to the cafe every day and just apply for jobs on upwork and hope i got it and for the podcast, I uh, I reached out to one of the only friends I still had from college, <laughs> which was actually my boss in the IT department that I worked at at my school. And he recommended a mic to me and which laptop I um, would probably be best for me and sort of helped me figure out. He was like, well, I wanted a MacBook anyway because I like 
relying i like the reliability i like knowing that i can take it anywhere to get fixed i don't care about the markup if it's gonna save me money in the long run because i've had so many pcs that just died in six months and i couldn't get them fixed and i it's just a waste of money you can just spend 500 dollars more and get the better thing so i took a loan out from my dad thank you dad uh i'm extremely privileged to have parents who support my dreams and i literally would not be here without them they're amazing um but yeah, so I took a loan out for my dad to buy a laptop for freelancing. I ended up getting my first freelance gig was a $1,200 contract that paid exactly for my laptop, which is insane. Um, and then after that, once I got my next gig, I bought a microphone. And shortly after that, I bought a camper van from a trail angel couple that I met in North Carolina, actually. Um, so I had this whole plan that I was going to move into this van and I was going to podcast from the van and it was going to be awesome. So I would only record my podcasts in that van in my parents' driveway because I was like convinced that I was going to live in a van forever and it was going to be great. Um, (laughs) It wasn't uh, as great as I wanted it to be. Uh, Volkswagens are very unreliable, my friends. Um, But regardless, (laughs) that was sort of the start of the journey. It was pretty rocky. Um, Honestly, without my parents, I would probably still be a full-time barista um, or it would have just taken me a lot longer to get started on this. Um, But yeah, I quit my Starbucks job like two months after that and I lit the fire under my ass, so to speak, to just get in gear and get a job and figure it out and Honestly, when I first started freelancing, like I didn't even know the difference between copywriting and content writing. I didn't know what digital marketing was. I didn't know what a contract was. <laughs> I didn't know how to invoice. Like I didn't know anything. I just decided I was going to do it and I did it. Like once you have determination and resolve, you can do anything, but you have to be willing to go on Google. You have to be willing to embarrass yourself in front of potential clients, which you probably never will because you only ever communicate via email and like they don't know what you're doing when you're not emailing them. Um, but I took on like a literature review as my first freelance client. And I had done one very small lit review like a in my nonprofit business class. And it <laughs> didn't go well. I remember getting like – I think that was my first A- minus in college, and which is hilarious. I think that that's not going well. That was fine. Um, <laughs> but regardless, I probably should not have been working for Heising Simons, a very large, very well-known company on a lit review as my <laughs> first freelance assignment. But I managed to somehow pull it off and learned a lot about Excel that week. And it all just kind of kept getting better from there. Um, eventually, I moved with Ted in with his mom, and then he decided he wanted to be a wildland firefighter, and we just started to realize that like our love was amazing on trail, and it was so fun, and it was such a cool thing to do together, but we weren't going to work out long-term because we just had way different life goals. <laughs> so we broke up, he moved to Washington, and I ended up staying in North Carolina because it is just so much cheaper to live here than New England, and it's comfortable. Um And I think that that is when the post-trail depression finally hit me, when Ted left, because I didn't have the trail with me all the time anymore, you know? I didn't have someone who knew all the stories and had been through all of it and had my inside jokes. I didn't have any friends here. I just moved here. 
Uh, Ted didn't have any friends to introduce me to here. So I was unbelievably lonely. And for the first time in my life, like, so I didn't have a job where I had people around me. So I couldn't just like rely on my coworkers to be my friends. I was just alone freelancing all the time. And I, I don't think I ever, I don't know. I just didn't know what to do. I had never really like made friends outside of work before or outside of school or any of that. I had never really moved in that way. Like whenever I moved, it was for a school program or for a job. So uh, that three months was like really hard. And I remember I like went to Trader Joe's one day and I was just bawling. I was just crying right before. I was just having such a bad day. I was so depressed. I just wanted to go back to trail so bad. And I had deadlines. So I like couldn't just leave town and go backpacking for the weekend or whatever. So the cashier ended up actually that day was wearing an AT necklace and I noticed and he gave me his number and we ended up being friends. Um, And that's sort of how the ball got rolling on like, oh, I live here now. I can make friends here now. And still in the back of my mind, I had sold that last camper van because it just was not worth. It was worth so much money and I did not trust it enough to take it on a cross-country road trip. I didn't have any savings buffer. So like if it broke down, I wouldn't be able to repair it. I didn't even have enough money to pay for a hotspot in my van to be able to do my work. Like it was just not, I had not fleshed out the plan enough, not quickly enough. And now we have this $28,000 van just like sitting in our driveway. (laughs) And my dad had sort of fronted the cash for it. So he was like, we need to get rid of it. We need to sell it. So we sold it. And I think this whole time I had been thinking, I still in the back of my mind was like, I'm going to move into a van. Living in Durham, North Carolina is just temporary. (laughs) Um, But eventually I really like found a solid community here. I found other through hikers here. And that was like, that was incredibly helpful. Having the podcast was so helpful because people were willing to come on my show and talk about their post-trail depression. And it's like, oh my gosh, I have a story to relate to. was so comforting. And I mean, I think the podcast truly was one of the only reasons I was able to keep going in the way that I did. Um, And eventually I just started to realize like how important it was going to be for me to, I had, I'd never had stability in my life before. So this was the first time I started realizing the importance of like establishing a routine and like living in one place for a bit. And like, you can save money if you can like get your monthly expenses down. You can build your business better. I mean, I went from making, I don't know, maybe $500 a month when I first started and now I'm up to 3000 and I'm working towards 5000 next quarter. And like I have quarterly goals now. All of these things, I mean, they just sort of happen when you commit yourself to something. You just have to f- not have a rigid plan and be ready to adapt no matter what if you really want this. Like freelancing is not something I'm ready to give up yet. I think there were plenty of times in my show where I talked about how hard it was and I was like, I'm looking for a real job, like constantly looking for a real job before, quote unquote, real job. Um, And now it's like, I I don't want a real job. I'm ready. I can do this. But again, it's like having imposter syndrome of freelancing compounded with post-trail depression and having no friends was not a good place to be. But it is possible to climb out of it. I have now. Um, I think the biggest thing is just being ready to make new friends, looking at yourself. I remember coming home and just thinking like, 
I was living with my parents, so they sort of knew the old version of me, and I felt like I was a totally different version of me when I came home from my through hike. And I started to realize, like, I need to, um, like reconcile these personalities almost. And I remember talking to Ann Baker on my show, um, about post-child depression because she wrote an article about it that was actually really interesting. You should go look it up; it's on the trek. Um, and she was talking about how she felt like she had two different personalities as well. And it's like, how do you reconcile these? Like, what's different here? What are the things like, like the extreme confidence I had on trail? Why don't I have that in the real world? Like, you can have that. You can have all those things. So it was kind of just like committing to personal development and and building my business really built me confidence as well. And the show, I mean, I love my podcast. I love making it. But it is so hard to work 60 hours a week and also get the podcast done so it like you know it has its rocky moments where I don't always get to make an episode every week but it's like it's still there and it still means so much to me and it's brought me like so much comfort and I really continue doing it because I hope that other people can like glean that comfort too for themselves you know so with the balancing of an ex- sorry I have geese flying over my house right now the Oregon the geese are migrating currently so you might hear that in the background um, in balancing the the freelancing and the podcast, what do you do to find time to hike? And because once you catch that bug of hiking, through mm-hmm. hiking, backpacking, it, it's just, you constantly want to be on the trail. But it's like I have you know I have to make money in the real world. I have to do this, and and you have this desire to expand your business and do these things. But at the same time, you're like. I'm sitting in front. I've been sitting in front of a screen for 12 hours. I would much rather right now be in the middle of nowhere with no Wi-Fi. What do you do to kind of suppress that bug a little bit, or or uh, just satisfy that need? Mm. Um. Well, I'm still figuring that out. Uh, <laughs> there are I. Nobody ever sees this, and I know for a fact that other freelancers have this problem as well. But there are plenty of days where I wake up and I would rather be in the woods with no service and I know that I need to get a project done and I get this like overwhelming anxiety and depression and I will lay in bed for hours and just avoid doing my work. I will notice how nice out it is and I'll be like, I just want to be outside all day today. I don't want to be doing my work and I will avoid it. I have spent many days avoiding work. I've still made it this far, guys. You can do it too. (laughs) Like procrastination is part of the game. You need to get on top of it. You can't constantly, obviously, be procrastinating. But I don't think that anyone has a perfect balance. I think part of it is just like practice and experience and just figuring out what works for you. Like what makes my depression feel better? What makes my anxiety feel better? If it's if hiking is the only thing that makes you feel better, then you need to either find a place where you can live where hiking is more accessible or you need to make time for it. And a lot of times that means like, you need to raise your rates so that you can afford to have a weekend, which I only recently started doing and honestly should have done way earlier. Like, you need to have at least one day off a week if you want to stay on top of anything in life, like your mental health, your life, whatever. Um, I think the best way that I've found so far to keep it incorporated is that I uh, I live in Durham, North Carolina, where there's a lot of protected forest land and trails within the city. So I have found a way to go for at least a walk in the woods every day. I wouldn't really call it a hike. It's pretty flat, but it is the vibe of forest. (laughs) Um, And that has been unbelievably helpful for me. Um, And it 
definitely makes me feel better. And then I try to go backpacking at least once a month, um, at least for one night. So I maybe don't take a weekend every weekend, but I take four days off in a row one week so that I can go, um, that sort of thing. And honestly, like as a freelancer, my schedule is in my hands and I know that, (laughs) um, but it's, it's still kind of hard to budget your time properly. It's hard to stay on top of yourself. It's hard to motivate yourself. Um, and honestly, like routine is also really helpful, which I, I mean, I didn't even know what a routine was until this year. So, um, if you can get on a routine, sort of everything in your life will be a little bit more efficient and it will allow you to be able to make that time for hiking. But, um, it's a balance. The scales are not always going to be balanced though. And it's okay that they aren't. Uh, I used to fret about that a lot. (laughs) That's one of the hardest things too. I I recently had to, you know, as a, uh, film freelancer who does videos for, for companies and stuff like my dad was like getting all over me like you have to raise your rates i'm like no you know i don't have the experience like mm-hmm. you just spent twenty thousand dollars on film school in your 30s you've been doing this forever raise your rates and just realizing that you, you know you're worth it you you can raise your rates and guess what your your clients they like you they'll mm-hmm. pay it <laughs> mm-hmm. having I, having that realization that you're you're worth it and you can do it yeah yeah i also think that like I mean, the imposter syndrome doesn't go away. Like, for me, it still hasn't gone away. And honestly, like, it'll only go away with experience. But being able to say, like, no, that's not it. Or, like, just reach out to other freelancers. It's okay to, like, message another freelancer on Instagram and be like, hey, can I ask what you're charging? They'll say no if they don't want to share that with you. But, like, if I found out – I'm working on a project right now. I found out I was the lowest paid writer on the project because when I got on the call with this person, they were like, okay, what's your rate? And I told them my rate and they were like, okay, no arguments, went for it. And I was like, oh, okay. And then I found out that everybody else on the project was making $10 an hour more than I was. And like that's huge. That's because my own lack of confidence got in my way to charge what I know that I needed to be charging. Those other people were charging what I should – like what I needed to be charging to make my income goal that year. But I was so not confident in myself. I didn't ask for it. And then I went back to that client that month and said, hey, I'm raising my rates for next quarter. Here's what they are. Matched all the other writers. And he was like, okay, no problem. Actually, you can just start charging that this week. I know it's not the new quarter yet, but you deserve it. <laughs> it's funny. I had I had a friend tell me, you know, I, I mentioned to a friend of mine, like, yeah, I've never had anybody counter counter offer. And he's like, well, you've never had anybody counter offer when you give them their rates. I'm like, no, it's like, then your rates are too low. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> I always was like, oh, I didn't get a counter offer. I might have, I must have like charged exactly the right amount. No, 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 no. You're like, undercharging. Over that. Yeah. 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 It's crazy. But like, those are also just things that like, again, you just learn with experience. You just got to try. Like I started out at 25, I would charge like $25 an hour and Mind you, if you're listening to this and you're not a freelancer, like your hourly rate is actually like cut in half because half of that rate you're spending on getting the client in the first place, your marketing, your bookkeeping, like planning the project that you're not getting paid for, like back end stuff and just the business stuff. You're never going to get paid for business unless you factor it into your hourly rate. And now I'm getting now I'm making double that minimum. And it's just insane to like see that progress. But it like I couldn't have known. There's, you just got to do it. You just got to learn from experience. <laughs> so, you finished the through hike. You're freelancing now. What's next? Um, 
That's a great question. I think for the first time in my life, I have stopped trying to white knuckle grasp onto goals and <laughs> ride them till they die. Um, <laughs> I really thought that I was going to move into a van. Still, I bought another camper van this summer and ended up selling it. And I just realized like, if I can't do it without the help of my parents at this point, now that I do have a solid income and I sort of am figuring my life out, like I don't want to rely on them. And I don't want I want to do it myself. It sounds so childish, but like I should be able to do it myself. Um, so right now the plan is I am getting a hitch put on my Prius because I've been Prius camping a lot. And I'm going to put this little like storage tray sort of dealio on there. And I'm going to save up for a road trip. And that's all I know. I'm really just trying to like save five grand for emergencies save five grand for a road trip and whatever happens after that happens. I'm trying to be more go with the flow. <laughs> um, I really, I'm so surprised by how much I've liked Durham and I did not expect, I did not expect to live here this long at all. Um, I'm actually moving next month into a more permanent living situation, which is cool. Uh, I'm buying my first piece of furniture, <laughs> which is crazy. Um, yeah, I think that the idea of stability, like stability has helped me so much this far. And I think like having a home base, especially like the place I'm moving to, the rent is affordable enough that I could still pay rent and go on this road trip and like be able to come home to a place, which is really nice. Um, but yeah, the PCT is in my future someday as well. But I don't, you know, I'm not sure. I'm not like actively being like, go do that tomorrow. Um, and I'm actually really thinking about lashing it, like just doing one half one year and the other half another year. But um, yeah, we'll see what, what the universe has in store for me, I guess. <laughs> Very cool. And last question, mm -hmm. what is your trail name and what's the story behind it? Oh, <laughs> uh, my trail name is Life Alert. I, my first week on trail, I mean, I'm known for falling a lot. I'm just kind of clumsy. I also generally am a little bit sleep deprived, so <laughs> I'm sure that probably doesn't help my balance skills. But I just fell a bunch my first week and what shelter were we at? can't remember. Some shelter in Georgia. I went to step into a shelter and the floor was kind of wet and I slipped and fell face first. And my leg, I had pulled my IT band that week or at least strained it. I don't know if I pulled it. Never got like clear information on that. But I tripped and fell right on my IT band and it just bruised it really badly. Um, and I was limping for like a solid week. I ended up taking eight days off on trail after that. And we were all sitting around in the shelter after I fell. And as soon as I sat up and I was like, I'm okay, guys, don't worry. Some guy yelled, life alert, life alert. <laughs> and they decided that was my trail name. So <laughs> Awesome. So Rachel, where can people listen to your podcasts, follow you on the social media networks, contact you, all that fun stuff? Yeah, um, you can find my podcast. It's called The Guidebook. Um, I host it on Spotify, but you can find it on any podcast player. And it is coming back with new episodes in November, which is very exciting. I'm trying to finish out <laughs> this season. <laughs> and uh, you can find me on Instagram at Meltzer Seltzer. And you can find my website at trailnamehere.com. 
Awesome, Rachel. Thank you so much for coming on the Hacker Podcast. Thanks for having me. Big thank you to Rachel for coming on this show and just for being so encouraging to me and to the listeners. And she just puts out so much amazing content, not only on her podcast, but on her Instagram um, regarding, you know, freelancing, mental health, hiking. So I encourage you all to check out everything she does. Be sure to go hikerpodcast.com for all the show notes and that fun stuff like that and all the different ways to listen and all the, uh, the socials, so on and so forth. You can email me, Andy, at hikerpodcast.com. Don't forget to leave an Apple podcast review. If you do, I will read it on the air. Guys, thank you so much for being so awesome. And as we're getting into the uh, fall and winter seasons, just be sure you are safe out there on the trail. And uh, thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Hiker Podcast. <laughs>